listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Hugh. And I'm Dev. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at minute four, which is beautifully framed as uh, the minute that introduces our other favorite actor, uh, Dan Aykroyd. And joining us for this minute, we have once again... Neil McKay of the Man with a Music Minute podcast. Oh, thanks for having me back. It's good to have you back. Yeah. So, Dev, grocer. Enter yes. grocer. It's literally what it says in the notes. That's all it says here. It just says enter grocer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it literally does. Yeah, my, uh, my, uh, typical verbose style of writing that is as few <laughs> words as possible. Um, so, so yeah, sometimes with these movie by minute podcasts, you get a minute of a movie that is just so beautifully framed. It just, mm-hmm. you know, it's obviously not something that is really being thought about or designed for, but you just happen to have a minute that that is just a beautiful slice of the movie. And I think this is one of those minutes. It starts with John Cusack's just done his job. He's wrapping up. He's getting ready to go. All of a sudden, behind the column, dressed beautifully as a doorman, is Dan Aykroyd, comes out, shoots an alarming number of bullets for two (laughs) six-shooters into the person that John Cusack, Martin Blank, was meant to be protecting, uh, and the bodyguards, and everybody around, and, and vanishes off. And then we cut to a different scene in the same minute, of a, a very unhappy Martin Blank talking to uh, the, his secretary again, and it just ends as this Lincoln with an unknown driver speeds up to him. And I, it it makes me happy to see a minute like this. It is just so <laughs> wonderfully framed. <laughs> okay, I have to ask, why does it make you feel happy? It, it's just the... The symmetry of it, the fact that this this uh, minute on its own tells its own story. Like uh, I could sit down as if this was a, a 60 second TV commercial yep. and watch it and be content. I mean, I'd probably prefer that the last of the credits weren't rolling over the top of it because that doesn't make much sense. Yeah. But that aside, you've got this just very nicely enclosed minute that really describes, I think, Dan Aykroyd's talent quite well as well. Yeah. So, Neil, were you given your uh, experience? What's your experience of Dan Aykroyd? Oh, he—he's such a, an iconic actor. He, I mean, I loved so many of his movies growing up, uh, from mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously Ghostbusters and um, uh, what's it called? Oh my God, my mind's gone blank. Tra- the Trading Places. Trading Places. That's the one. I mean, Trading Places itself is like a. Um, is it, there's questionable things in there now with, with their, <laughs> their costumes at the end. Such a great but, movie, but it's such a great movie all the way through it. And um, you know, you can we won't go into that. We'll leave that for um, Trading Places minute to, to go into, into the. <laughs> we might have to do that now. You've said it. I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah, I definitely. I want think to that one may be out there already. Probably. If it isn't, on it. Surprised, I know. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Sorry. Um, I, I think uh, uh, one thing I love about this mo- this minute is um, 
the way that it sets up uh, Dan Aykroyd's character as being so different from John Cusack's character. It's, I, I was thinking about the name Grosser and it's so close to gross. I was thinking, are they mm-hmm. saying that um, it, that um, Martin Blank is gross and he's like, he acts in a way that's point blank. And I didn't know, I don't know if you've gone into this in your first two minutes, but I I always thought point blank meant close up because you're close up to somebody and you shoot them point blank. But no, that's a point right. blank range. You might know a bit right. more about this with your your um, um, cadets at school. Point blank right. is actually, if you're firing something, it goes direct. You don't have to um, change the way that you're aiming to to adjust for the, the, the projectile, whether it's a bullet or a, a, an arrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't have to adjust for the the gravity to make the arrow uh, go a bit lower. It's so close mm-hmm. that you, it's straight, it's direct. So when somebody yeah. is point blank, they're being direct and blunt. And of course, um, Martin Blank, he just tells everybody he's a killer. Although <laughs> he is very blunt, and he's a you know he says himself he's a psychopath. Basically, he he has that mm. mindset. So he probably has gone through his whole, whole life just being blunt to everybody. So he's gross mm. and he's point blank, but Dana Croyd is grosser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely he's right. He's still in yeah. the business. He's still he wants to even make a union. He's he's still um, he lives the the violent lifestyle and he doesn't see any mm. problem with that. So yeah, the the way that they had. Um, Blank, aiming for the shoulder and doing the, the yeah. least damage possible to get the outcome, whereas you've got Grosser just shooting as much as he can in a hundred bullets mm. from two guns. <laughs> mm, mm, <laughs> I didn't count them yeah. up, but it was a lot. <laughs> I mean, the thing is that, and and it's the, the guns themselves, as we were saying last episode about uh, the economy of these opening minutes and how character is is, is conveyed very quickly. Um, and, and as you say, the name alone, but we don't hear his name just yet. And, and as Dev said, when he steps forward, I realised that we didn't mention in the last minute, right? That he, he there's actually a moment where you can see there's a doorman, right? Oh. It's just very group briefly in the background of one of the shots, and you don't realise it's Acroyd, right? Because you don't see it. They, they know what they're doing. <clears throat> with this film they've set this up they're shooting it they know what they're doing and so when he steps forward the film moves you know puts the camera in a place where as you say dev we see him we know it's him he steps forward and then as and then he as you say you know he's got these guns and the, what i like is that as a dormant he pulls out these guns and he pulls them out like a gunslinger right cross draw <laughs> two revolvers um they're 44 magnum so they're flipping huge they're chrome. <laughs> they're chrome, so they're shiny. And in addition to that, he's, these are not your standard magnums. They've got a barrel, an additional barrel support where they don't need to. So they've got the extra metal, right, hanging from me. I mean, I know he needs them in the sense that he doesn't want the, the recoil to lift it too far, which is why he's able to aim and shoot all those shots. But the point is, it's overkill in every sense of the word. They're literally big, flashy guns. Like, the guy is compensating so clearly. So obviously, and they obviously put very heavy loads in as well because the bangs and and the shot and, and the, the, the 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 flame, you know, everything that the camera captures and the sound, boom! You know, this is a guy who is just like, yeah, gets gets the job done, as you say, by spraying everything and everybody. But then, what I find interesting is that he then suddenly becomes the professional again. He turns <laughs> around, 
right? He drops the guns because he's not going to leave any evidence because he's wearing satin glo- white satin gloves as befits a doorman, right? But so he's 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 actually good enough to 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 have the right cover for the role and for the job. But then he is blatantly over the top, <laughs> blatantly in love with the moment of killing. Um, and then when he t- and then he does the professional thing again and turns around, drop- throws his coat over it as well, walks away. Um, and if you've ever played the video game Hitman, it's it's much that's what it, it's like. Yeah. That you yeah, know, it's, it's it's like super obvious, and then you have to somehow stealthily get away. Like really, dude, really. Um, but it's beautiful. It's as you say, it's, it's grosser. You know, after that wonderful precision and style and, and, and skill of Martin Q. Blank, here's the opposite: yeah. sheer unrelenting old school American cowboys gunslinger style action. Um and, and yeah, it is over the top. And it is a reversal on what you'd expect for this kind of a movie, right? Like if Yes. I you know, you'd look at like Guardians of the Galaxy or or one of the big hits these days. Literally it's the hero going in guns blazing right at the top of the, yeah. the film. And what we have here is is the exact opposite. It is yeah. it is the the rival, the the you know that comes in and and makes the big bangs, right? The, yep. Not the masked rifle shot whilst covered by the, you know, the pistol mm. sound of the initial hitman. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, and and what's interesting is that because it's the same, because it's a hit on Martin's, you, know, you the if we're trying to piece together what's happening, since it looks like Martin's job was to, I think you said this in the last podcast, it looks like he's. You know, he's taking a shot that allows them to save the man coming out of the hotel, right? Mm-hmm. And now the man from the hotel is eliminated. And I feel like it feels like you're in the middle of a gang war in the sense that here's another assassin taking out the person, as you said, Dev, Martin's protecting. But my my first thought this time around watching it was like, wait a minute, who's going to pay Martin? <laughs> I was like, who hired who to do which job and what's going on, you know? And you realize there's all these layers and you sort of think, wow, okay, this is already more complicated than I thought it would be. Whoever hired Martin, how Hmm. did they know that the other hitman was going to come cycling down the street at that moment? How did they know that he would have a good shot from that window to to rent out that apartment or whatever it is? and, yeah. and then, how did the people that hired Dan Aykroyd, um, Grocer, how did they know yeah. that that yeah. um, Blank was going to be there and that it wasn't yeah. going to go ahead as planned? It's, yeah. it's so convoluted. And for the first minutes, <laughs> once again, you yeah. figure out what's going on. And it's maybe uh, only uh, the third or fourth time, or well, for, for me, because I'm looking at that one minute, it was maybe yeah. the third or fourth time I watched the minute that I thought, Wait a sec, how do they all know what's going on? <laughs> I'm starting to wonder now, having just finished teaching the the, assass- the JFK assassination unit at school, I'm now starting to wonder if there's an un- like a, like a, an unofficial commentary here on whether Oswald could have done it or not. <laughs> because it's like he's in the room, he's on that floor, you know, he's a moving target, right? He makes the shot. The shot, it's not where he aimed initially, it's not the head, he hits the shot. And then there's another shooter ready to clean up. <laughs> and it's all, it, you know, it's almost like this is this is the spec. This is the conspiracy theory about Kennedy, isn't it? Is yeah. that there was there's the main shooter, and then there's somewhere there was a backup shooter in case. Mm-hmm. And whether or not you believe that, and there's uh, there's phenomenal amounts of evidence to indicate Oswald definitely took the shots with the rifle he did, and and hit Kennedy. 
there remains, even with the evidence we have in the last, uh, on the 50th anniversary and the most modern scientific analysis available, there's still a third shot unaccounted for. And we now have a memoir of one of the Secret Services agents on the day who's retired. He has just published his memoir for the first time. And he's going back on what he said to the Warren Commission. So it's one of those crazy bits of history that comes that always pop, rears its head at moments when I'm not expecting it. And I just feel like you've got a point there. This complexity. You sort of think, well, where's this all going? It's, it's almost like it, they have people who are paying these guys. No, they must be the same person paying the two, right? <laughs> it's got to be because Martin's the main shot. The, well, hang on, it's paying all three. Let me correct this: all three. Right, it's got to be someone paying the messenger because that's the obvious hit. Someone paying Martin to eliminate the messenger, right, and make it look like you know, so that you take care of that guy as well. But the hit half, and then and then the third person to finish it all off. And it's like maybe that could be the case, or did did Grosser was Grosser always meant to shoot that guy? In which case, he's not part of it because he would be hired by the guy who hired the bike messenger, and he's the backup. Yeah, that's that's how I'd taken it to be. Was that yeah, the the bike right. messenger was was hired to take this guy out, and they found out about it, so they hired. Yeah. And it was it's just escalation, right? It's it's just yes. an arms race. It's and like that's well, the joke, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that's, exactly. That's, what, that's the comic element is you've just seen the arms race in miniature. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, and the what? weaponry reflects that, right? You go from a very yeah. very discreet concealed pistol on a cyclist just riding down the street to yeah. a rifle that you can't really hide when it's out there to just n- no f's given <laughs> giant chromed up blinged out heavy duty the largest caliber pistol you can get your hands on two of yeah. them because yeah. we need more than one that's so clever that's so clever that they just did that in such a simple way and such a short space of time yeah um so, I, so let's I talk Aykroyd. Oh, gosh, I go in there. I thought that he might have, Aykroyd might have been there just to to make sure that it went down okay, that the, the person that was supposed to die actually did die. Um, mm. So, but then I thought it was his choice to go over the top. I, I don't know if... Yes. Yeah, I agree um, with you. I think that makes total that's sense. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's unexplained. That's the weird thing. It's just... They just move on for the rest of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> true, yeah. true, true. And we do get a sense that uh, Ackroyd is or Grocer is definitely keeping tabs on Blank, right? Yes, as soon as soon as you know uh, he loses the the other hit that he has, he yeah. knows who it was that took it. And I think that may well be the case. It may well be that Grocer was the original contracted hit. Found yeah. out that somebody had had. Uh, taken out a, a contract to prevent it and yeah. so pulled in a uh, lesser union member should we call them to mm. uh to be the full guy so that grocer can still do the clean up and do the hit that would make a lot of sense yeah. actually i like that explanation and it, it feels like this is like a very like foreign dig- dignitary or businessman or possibly yeah. like mobster kind of character yeah. that's being taken out right so i think the yeah. intention was always for it to be a big showy hit that was yeah. the statement right it's yeah. it's yeah. loud it's in your face like we're making a statement here we're not just taking somebody out and so the cyclist was never going to do that the cyclist yeah. couldn't have so that in other words what we're saying is in this context is that actually uh 
grosser is hired precisely because grosser is grosser as you say neil he's grosser as a as a killer than martin q blank and martin q blank is is hired by whoever's trying to stop all of this but they don't realize there's now two killers not one because blank doesn't realize there's a back the the backup or it may be as you say the first killer and the messenger is actually the backup but whichever way around it is it's fascinating that we can get i mean we're we're talking about one minute of a film (laughs) and all of this comes out of it what what a great movie Right, like I, now, I'm starting to see what you mean, Dev, about the perfection yeah. of the of this minute. Right, minute yeah. four is just perfect, and and that's before we even talk about Dan Aykroyd in detail. Like we've talked about his character, we've talked about the way he comes in, we've talked about. I mean, you've you've been watching him as long as I have, Neil, and you know he's a man with all these not just hits behind him, but also a, uh, as he get as he gets to the nineties. You know, there's all that TV work that he does to do with uh, supernatural and unexplained phenomenon, uh, phenomena, and you know he's the guy who plays the conspiracy theorist in one of my all-time favorite movies, Sneakers. Um, and there's a he, there's a little, there will be in the next minute a little tiny nod to that um, in what I'm guessing is improv dialogue from him. But e- even here without dialogue, he's always been a wonderful actor because I think he's got a great face. Yeah. Um, and we only glimpse his face briefly, but it's all there. Everything you need to know about Grosser yeah. is right there. Um, and I think it's always been like with that with him. I've always enjoyed like like so much of, of, of his character in Ghostbusters is is not just the voice and the tone and the way he speaks, it's that face. He he's got yeah. a particular kind of face that really suits that character. Yeah. Um and it was the same with Dragnet. I like like I know a lot of I know people who love the original Dragnet TV show hate the, re- the movie, understandably, because it's there to take the mic. But he himself achieves this kind of, I don't know how to explain it, he achieves this kind of, he makes that 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 50s straight lace, straight arrow cop guy, you know, he, somehow while everyone else is making fun around of him, he still carries himself with dignity yeah. and respect in the middle of all of that insanity. And I think that's that's quite cool. He doesn't definitely nice characters, does he? He plays like weird people. Even when he yeah. is the protagonist, as yeah, the protagonist, yeah. he he yeah. still plays the kind of odd one of the bunch. And I, yeah, I think that's true all the way back to like his SNL days, right? And yeah, I mean, none of the three of us, I imagine, grew up watching SNL because it, it yeah, never really hit the the British shores. But no. we did probably watch blues brothers right which was pretty much just an snl movie and like much much younger dan Aykroyd, in a lot of ways it kind of looks different like if i try if i picture him mentally in that film versus ghostbusters or gross point blank or any of the other much later movies he almost looks like a completely different person and yet he has that same i'm playing a slightly weird character Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. in and in a way that I think almost any other actor would try and do it and it would look ludicrous and he pulls yeah. it off, right? He's this yeah. character that no matter what is going on, and there is some weird stuff going on in that film, he's always playing it straight. He's always super serious in a way yeah. that, you know, Belushi can't even manage. Um, oh, yeah. And it yeah. really sells it. Uh, so, mm. yeah, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, more relatable. He's He's... He's like the 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 um, 
every man in this situation. He's he's yeah. the one that's going. What's going on here? Why have you got a cop car? What? Why are you mm. doing this? Whereas mm. um, I, I can't I forget their names. It's Jake and Jake Elwood. And Elwood. Um, so uh, John Belushi is Jake, isn't he? And Elwood is yeah. Elwood. Belushi is yeah. Jake, and uh, yeah. Aykroyd is Elwood. Uh, yeah, and Elwood is he's. So serious through the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> I want, you know, when well, I, the, the order at the, at the at the diner is one of the great classics where Belushi's like, I want four whole fried chickens. And then he goes, and some dry white toast. And that's like, that's Elwood, right? Right there, the dry white toast, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Four fried chickens and a Coke. That's the order. Sorry. And then dry white toast. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's Aykroyd's characters. They're, 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 yeah. They're white bread, straight up, and then I want to talk about the class thing in a minute when we get into the next when we get to the next minute, uh, because then we see Grocer outside of a hit, yeah. Um, and I want to talk about that when we get there. But yeah, um, Acroyd, as you guys say, is very much he's always played that kind of character. But as the joy of it, as you guys say, is he plays straight in in comedies, and it's all therefore it's all character work. What makes yep. you laugh is the character, is the dialogue and the delivery. It's not just you laughing at someone gurning or mugging them for the camera. Yeah, I felt here that he his character is, is deadly serious and he's like mm. over the top and doing the job and and you know his favorite way of doing jobs, I suppose. But after watching it a couple of times, I just thought Dan Aykroyd is having such such a great time here. He's loving playing that character he you know you can't see it in his face because he's 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 being the serious man but you just know inside he's having a well of a time with this movie you're right yeah it reminds me a little bit of bill murray's character in zombieland as well it's like it's a character it's an actor who's probably like really too big for this role especially at the time that dan Aykroyd is doing this film Mm. um you know, he he's he's in Blues Brothers, he's in Ghostbusters. It has been a little while, but mm. like he's he's a big name, and it it feels like he's doing it just because he loves the role. Oh, completely! <laughs> you can tell he read the script and went for it. But yeah. I also reckon that's how that's part of how they got funding. I mean, you oh, say yeah. John, you say John Cusack, Joan Cusack, uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd in a movie. Yeah, in 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 the late nineties, and you can imagine somebody going, "Yeah, okay, okay, we we we're gonna we, we're on board for this one." Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm actually really looking forward to tomorrow's, but this was minute four of the Gross Point Blank podcast, Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, featuring your hosts, co-writers and co-producers, Dev Sodega and Hugh David. Today's guest was Neil McKay of the Man with the Music Minute vodcast. Neil, where can people find you online? You can find me on all social media as Chief Aberach. And my um, link tree page with all my links is linktr. dot ee slash mwamm. Fantastic, thank you. And you can thank find you. us on all good podcast players, also on YouTube, X, Spotify, at Debbie Radio, and on our website, debbieradio.com, all of which are spelled. D-E-B-I Radio. Yes, that's D-E-B-I Radio. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl. Smoking for the first time.